Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Ryan Baker Barnes is called Into the New. Do you need a healing touch from God? Come to our healing encounter on Saturday the 5th of November from 4pm. Visit our website for full details, www.revivalfires.org.uk. First, the very, very first thing on my notes for today. Today we're talking about into the new. Everyone say, into the new. The very first scripture is, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Right now it springs up. What about that prophetic song on the worship about that seed that's been planted and right now it's springing up. The next question God asks is, do you not perceive it? You know, when if you're a gardener, you'll know that when you plant a seed in the ground and you bury it underneath. You might not perceive it with your natural eye, but inside that seed is germinating. And that knowledge, that perception that you have, causes you to water the seed, doesn't it? If you don't water it, it'll die. So even though you might not see it with the natural eye, that seed is beginning to grow. And God wants us, this church, this group of people this morning, to be able to perceive the new thing. My aim today is I want to paint a really good picture of what the new is. And I want you to be able to perceive God's new for your life. That's what I want for you. Are you guys going to get that? When I'm speaking, just reach out and grab that. That's what I really want God to do for you. Because God is doing a new thing. He's not done a new thing. He's not going to do a new thing. He's in the process, day in, day out, in my life, in your life, doing something new, something exciting. So we, we've been on this um, topic for a couple of weeks. Trevor talked last week about the life of David and the, the new in the life of David. And David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Don't you guys just love the stories of David? I absolutely love them. And I'm going to be reading from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 16. What I want to do, I'm going to just read 13 verses, all right? The Bible says to Timothy, dedicate yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So stick with me. I'm doing what Paul asked. My middle name is Timothy. Did you know that? So uh, I take that. (laughs) There we go, Shane. Yeah, Timothy. I'm going to read out this this Bible, this this chapter. It might be a bit long, longer than normal, but listen to it, okay? Because there's so much goodness in it. We're looking at the new. 1 Samuel 16. You can read along if you want. From verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being? being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do, who you shall anoint for me. So Samuel did what the Lord said. He came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came trembling to meet him. Do you come in peace? He said, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Verse 6. When they entered, he looked at Eliabab Eliab, and thought. I'm glad I called my children Ben, Beth, and Lissy. Eliab. There's a name out there if you guys are interested. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the 
heart. Then Jesse called um, Abubanab and made him pass before Samuel. And it's the same thing. The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse, the dad, made Shema pass before him. He said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said, are there no other sons? Are there no other children? There remains yet the youngest, said Jesse. And behold, he is tending the sheep. So Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he comes here. So they went and brought him in. And he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. Someone called me David this morning. (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for for this is he. Arise and anoint him, for this is he. So that's, that's the scripture we're looking at. And what I want to bring out of this is a couple of points about the new. Right in this story, we see the nation of Israel about to anoint a new king. The, some things had gone wrong with the old king. Some things had gone wrong with the old ways. And what the Lord said is, there's now time for something new. And I really believe that there's some points in here about how we can move into the new. That we can take and we can make for our lives. The first one is this. It's grieve and go. Everyone say grieve and go. The first point, if we want to perceive the new thing, is to grieve and go. So where does that come from? Well, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him. Fill your horn with oil and go. The first thing I want you to know when it comes to living in the new is that your mistakes of the old season will not define you in the new season. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Isn't that good that the Lord does not judge you in the new by the mistakes of your old? He says in another translation, mourn no more. And here's the very first thing, the new that the Lord wants to give to you. Here's the new thing the Lord has for you. He has new mercies for you. In order for us to be a people who move into the new, we need to know what it is to walk in the new mercies of the Lord. There's an incredible scripture, Book of Lamentations, Chapter 3, it's been turned into a song, and I love, I love how, what it says. It says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's the first thing. If you want to be a, a person, if we want to be a people who move with God in the new, we need to receive God's mercy. You know, Samuel might have even felt that he had made a mistake. He was the one that God chose to anoint Saul, the king. Saul fought a couple of battles and disobedience took root in his heart. And at that point, that, that was the mistake that I'm talking about. And Samuel is grieving. Samuel's grieving. Lord, have I, have I done the right thing? Lord, could I have been a better prophet, a better a leader, a better guide towards Saul? Lord, how, how can we be your, a nation that follows your word if our king can't even follow you? Saul, Samuel is, is in this place of grief, fighting over some of the mistakes. Any of you been in a similar place ever? I make mistakes. Really, Ryan? You make mistakes? I made quite a few this morning on the guitar. <laughs> I make mistakes. You know, I'm, we have three amazing children. For those of you who probably who don't know we have three amazing children and I <laughs> oh, can, can I can I have some fun with you guys this morning is that alright 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I might embarrass myself, but let me tell you just underneath all of this, I love my family, okay? I love all my children. I'm one of four children, and when I got married, I thought, man, four kids is the best. I'm going to have four children. My wife is one of two, and so when she got married, she thought, two children are the best. Are we only going to have two kids? So, you know, of course, we hadn't had any children at this point. And I'm like, oh, four would be awesome. And Anna's like, no, where is Anna? Is she here? <laughs> She's like, no, it's my body, two children. So we had Bethany. She was amazing. And by amazing, I mean, she didn't sleep at all through the night, but she was incredible. And, and then we had the second child. We had Benjamin. And you know what? I was so pleased that Anna said two was enough. <laughs> I was like, Man, I'm done. There's this famous comedian. He said, how does he say it? It's so funny. He says, I used to want three children. I had two, and now I wish I only had one. <laughs> I'm not saying that about my children. Okay. Anyway, so I was really happy at two. And then Anna came to me. I remember the exact point. We were driving along a road on holiday in France in a lovely rented car. I was enjoying the heat. You know, enjoying the peace and wasn't thinking about children. I was just, they were in the back, of course, but it was a lovely day. And Anna just turned around and said, Ryan, do you know what? I think I want another child. <laughs> All of a sudden, this hired car on the French road with the British driver stopped in the middle of the road. It's like, what's going What? She's like, drive, drive, you're going to have a crash. <laughs> anyway, so Anna wanted three children. Isn't that crazy? People can change. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that we did. Lissy, our youngest, she's incredible. What am I saying? <laughs> What's the point? Um, yes. Okay, I was telling you about my family. Here's the point. So now, now I'm a dad, and my dad's incredible, and I always thought that I was just going to be like my dad, right? Because I'm his son. But you know what? If I can be honest with you, it's really hard being a parent sometimes. I can hands down tell you that I have made mistakes bringing up my children. I can hands down tell you that I've, I've disciplined them wrong at some points, or I've, I've acted in, in anger rather than in love. I can hands down tell you that I have made a mistake. Me mourning and um, living out of that mistake makes me a terrible father. What I'm so grateful for is that God's mercies are new every morning. And I can know that I can just say, Lord, help me. Lord, change me. If I want to step into being the best father, the new father, the new father, you know what I mean, right? The best father I can be, I need God's mercies. What, what about you? You know, what about things in, in your life? It, it might be um, family situations. It could be work situations. It could even be in your relationship with God, that God calls you to go and speak to someone and, and you just don't feel the courage or the bravery to go out and do it. What the enemy would love to do is to hold you in that place of mistake, to hold you in that place of failure. So the next time you feel God says you need to go and pray for someone, you think, oh man, but I messed up last time. I'm going to mess up again. I'm not going to do that. You need to know if you're going to step into the new, God's mercies are new for you every single morning. Isn't that good? So that's the first one. Samuel needed to know that God's mercies were new. And here's the first paradox. Trevor talked about this a couple weeks ago. That scripture, Lamentations 3, says, um, The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. His mercies never come to an end. So some, here's something that never changes, yet in the very next line, but his mercies are new. Isn't that interesting? Trevor said in um, Ecclesiastes, it says, is there nothing new underneath the sun? So how can God make us new if, if the Bible says there's nothing new? And Trevor said, that, said this, it was pretty awesome. Underneath the sun, God has set up all of this, but 
above in the heavenly realms where the endless God, the unfathomable one, Jesus Christ, the God of all, the Holy Spirit comes from. Where he is, is where the new comes from. And so how can one who is never ending, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, be new? Well, let me tell you this. It's not a paradox. It's actually a confirmation. The God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is continually making us new. He is continually wanting to bring us into the new season. Why? Because he never wants us to be like the nation of Israel, stuck without direction, stuck without leadership, stuck without authority, in a place where a mistake has defined them as a a nation. God says, no, it's time for a new. I'm looking for a new king. Are you ready for the new in your life? Yes, Ryan. Amen. The second thing, verse 2, that we need to move on from, we need to move on if we're going to step into the new, is this. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. So Saul is the king, and Samuel, one of his jobs as a prophet is to anoint the next king. So if Saul sees Samuel going to anoint another king, what do you think he's going to do? He's not going to be well chuffed, is he? He's not going to really want to lose his position, to lose his job, to lose his income. So there's a chance that he could kill Samuel before he anoints the next king in order for Saul to stay in his place of kingship. Am I making sense? Okay. Here's the next thing we need to move on. God called Samuel to move from a place of comfort into a place of discomfort, danger, in order to bring the new into being. Am I making sense? Do you know why a lot of the times we don't perceive the new or we don't want to go into the new is because it is uncomfortable. It's true, isn't it? We don't always like changes. Like I made that, told you that story. I stopped the car on the road in France because I was filled with that. I did. I told him. That's my wife. Because I knew just how uncomfortable my life was about to get. I I told them I'm going to get real with them. Just having a... (laughs) You know what? The new can be uncomfortable. But like I said with Lissy, our youngest daughter, it's the best thing that I have ever done. Like all of my children. You know, the new is the best thing that God has for you. It really is. He's so excited for the new. But we can get so comfortable with our old structures that we don't move into the new. Let me give you a real fresh example. Um, as a church, we have done a school of, of ministry. It's called the School of the Supernatural for over 15 years. That's the reason why I'm here. I came to Dudley as an intern working for Salt Mine Trust, and I came to this, this church. Of course, I met a beautiful young lady. But um, I did the school, and that school transformed my life. Like, I know how powerful it is. And I'm doing what I'm doing now because of the seeds that were planted in me during the school. And, and because of just the, the way the seasons we go through, the busyness, the things that we felt we had a mandate to, we stopped doing the school for a couple of years. It lay fallow. And uh, last month, Trevor said, Ryan, it's time to do the school again. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I, yeah, it's exciting. It really is. It's exciting because it's going to have ministry at the center. And it's going to really impact and change people's lives. And when you have young people around you or people of any any generation around you eager to learn, it also changes you. 
Because you have to feed as well as grow. You know what I'm saying? You don't get stagnant. So I'm like, Trevor, that's super exciting. Like, wow. Yeah, okay, let's do it. And I go back to my office and I open my iCal, my calendar, and I think, how am I going to do this? This is going to be uncomfortable for me. I don't know. I'm going to have to change some things. I'm going to have to lose some responsibilities. I'm going to have to train some other people up. I'm going to have to pull some late nighters. You know, it's uncomfortable. And, and there was a season, I've spoken to Trev, that I, he was like, have you put it on the website? I'm like, oh, not yet. You know, I've got so much work. <laughs> we need to start advertising the school. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> how are we going to do it? Like, you know, my, un, my wanting to stay in comfort kept me in a place of not moving forward. Does that make sense? If we're going to move into the new, we have to know it's going to be uncomfortable, guys. But that's why it's so important that we paint a picture and we understand how important the new is. And that's my next part. I want to paint for you a picture of how important the new is. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, some things might change, but it's going to be for the absolute best. I want to, I want to talk quickly about this. Um, God, when he was talking to Samuel in this story, how many of you know that God needed Samuel to see what God saw, right? God needed Samuel above everything else to see what he saw when he was looking at all these suitors. There were seven, eight, eight sons. How does Samuel going to make a good choice, a godly choice, if he didn't see through God's eyes? And the most important reason why God tells Samuel to move on, to stop mourning, is because he didn't want Samuel to look at the situation through the perspective, through the lens of disappointment. I want us to be a people who look at what God says he's got planned for us, not through a perspective of disappointment from our mistakes or disappointment or frustration because of the amount of discomfort we're going to come into, but look through it through a picture that God paints. God wants to change your lens today of the new. Does that make sense? God wants to change your lens. God changed my lens when he reminded me of how amazing the school was in my life. And if I know that God did that through me for the school, then I want to do that for other people. It might be difficult. It might be hard work, but it is worth it. And that's what gives you the power to move into the picture of the new. I'm doing a lot of peas on purpose here. hope you're picking up on it. <laughs> so let's just talk about this for a little bit. Perspective. God needed Samuel to be a seer. There's an incredible story in the Bible about this same nation, Israel. I mean, Wow. Can you imagine being like so scrutinized by generations and thousands of years of Christians? Like, what a burden, hey? But anyway, they were in Exodus. So God was calling them out of an old cycle of slavery, Egypt. And he wanted to call them into what? A promised land. What was the promised land? It was his new plan for him. It was the new. It wasn't slavery. It wasn't where they worked with someone else. It was where they inherited their own vineyards that, not, that they hadn't built. The Bible says they were going to inherit cities that they didn't make for. The Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, think, think about that in modern day terms. A land flowing in milk and honey. It's like me buying a house at the same price as my house. And it's got downstairs toilet, a music room, a bedroom for every child, a laundry room. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, uh, it's got like built-in Bluetooth speakers in every room. Like, what's your land of milk and honey, right? Think about it. It's, it's incredible. God is trying to paint a picture for the nation of Israel of how good the new is for them, okay? 
God is trying to paint a picture. That's the purpose of the prophetic. That's the purpose of teachers. That's the purpose of what I'm doing right now. Because he knows that there's a discomfortable, uncomfortable journey coming up. And what happens? Surely as soon as that nation of Israel is in the desert, they're not in their houses. They might have been in slavery in, in Egypt, but they had houses. They're living in tents. They might have been in slavery in Egypt, but they had garlic. That's in the Bible. Can you imagine liking garlic so much? That's the thing you whinge about. Huh? It's this little thing sometimes. They didn't have any garlic. They didn't have any meat. They were slaves, but at least they had meat. And they're sitting in the desert on this journey that should only take 40 days, and their lens changes. Instead of looking at the new with what God says this is going to be, they see the new through the disappointment of what they've lost. If we want to move into the new, don't hold on to what was. Let's press into what God has for us. So how do we do it? How do we change the lenses? And here's the next key. Samuel asked God, Lord, how am I going to do it? He's going to kill me. And he says in verse 3, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. Prepare a heifer, consecrate them, and I will show you what to do. What's he saying? He's saying, bro, hold a worship party. (laughs) He's saying, this is what he wants to say to you. If you want to change your lenses, worship. Worship changes your vision. Worship connects you with the God who is endless rather than with the problem. Worship is the most important and powerful way of changing your your lens to move into the new. Let me talk a little bit about this. We need to train our eyes to see the new. We need to change our lens and we do that through worship. Worship now, you know that it's more than just a song, don't you? It's more than just this encounter that we have. And and even as I'm talking, what happened in worship this morning? Well, a new song came about came out about seeds being planted and the new springing up which is the very scripture behold i'm doing a new thing do you not perceive it and now it springs forth worship is already prophesied into what's happening that's the power of worship and as we worship as a body we connect with god but that connection is not meant to just remain here when we leave at twelve thirty. if i do my job right that connection with god is meant to continue with your family. You might not have a band in your lounge saying, come on now, Maureen, it's time to worship. <laughs> All right, Alex, I know you've got to do the dishes after this lunch, but it's time to worship. <laughs> Keep your perspective. Hallelujah. I mean, there's really good CDs to help you do that, right? But it's not about the song. It's about taking this experience in our hearts with us. If we could boil it all down, like worship at its core is about love, isn't it? And... Our marriage at a core, what God wants, is about love. And love at its core is about decisions. Do we say that again? Love at its core is about decisions. It's not just about feelings. Feeling is important and feeling is there. The emotion is important and the emotion is there. But it's about a decision. I choose to do this because I love someone. And my love for that one defects, uh, affects and defines my decisions. And that's at the core of worship. You might not have a worship band in your lounge. But when you're faced with a situation, you can say, Lord, give me your lenses. Lord, I turn my, eye, my gaze to you. I love you. I want to see the way you see this thing right now. That's what worship's about. You might not even sing a single song. But that's what worship's about. You know, I, I grew up, um, and I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this. 
when I was a boy, they had these wristbands. And on them it said, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Something real funny. There was, there was some prefects in my school, and they were like a really loved couple in the school. They were kind of like um, Posh and Becks, you know, but they're my, but my school. And her name was Amy, and his name was Jason. And she started wearing a WWJD band, and I was like, man, has she become a Christian? And they're like, no, she thinks it means, what would Jason do? <laughs> True story. <laughs> anyway, so I'm thinking about... Um, I'm thinking about this. Worship is what would Jesus do? And God says to me, no, Ryan, it's not just what would Jesus do? Because we can look back and say, well, what would Jesus do? Let's see. Okay. You know, in the, in the Bible, there was a blind, there's like three or four stories of Jesus healing the blind person. Did he heal the blind person the same twice? No. So we can say, what would Jesus do? And we can think that it's, it's a pres- prescriptive method. A, B, C, D. If I do this A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'll be a good Christian and I'll live my life in worship. No. God said to me, it's not what would Jesus do. It says, when you worship, you say, what am I doing? That's what you ask God. Because God faces every situation that you're in with a new perspective. And you can think, well, God, yesterday you handled this one like this. So today I'm going to handle it like this. What would Jesus do? Or what, what would Jesus have done? And it's, no, what are you doing, Lord? Worship is a daily connection. You know when you read your Bible, when you spend time in prayer, when you just spend that 10, 15 minutes focusing on God in the morning? That's worship, whether you're playing a song or not. Does that make sense? We want to be a people whose eyes are trained to see the new, so we need to do it in worship. Here's the other thing about worship. Worship is covert. God tells Samuel to, to do worship because Saul will say, oh, the prophet's just coming in to do a worship meeting. What he won't know is that there's a covert operation. You know, in all of the enemies and all the things that we face, worship is the covert power to bring about change. Worship is the covert power to bring about the new. I can't remember whose name it was, but there was a preacher who said, if you're having issues in a situation at work or you're about to do a meeting and you really need God's decision, go in there early. Worship him in that room. Even if it's playing a little song on your iPad that only works if it's one of my songs, by the way. <laughs> Play, put worship in the atmosphere because it's covert. The enemy won't know, but you're going in in battle. Isn't that cool? I love that one. So also, if we're going to train our eyes to see the new, here's a really important point. We cannot judge the new by old standards. This is, when we, this is where we struggle. You know, Samuel, who's a prophet, right? He hears the voice of the Lord. He almost got it wrong. Let me read it to you says in verse, where's that guy's name? Eliab. Eliab. Verse 7. This guy, this first son of Jesse passed before him. And the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height. And we love this verse, don't we? Or his stature because I have rejected him. God does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here's the important thing about that. Samuel saw this son and this son was tall. So the first thing God says to him, do not look at his appearance or his height. Why is height important? Because three chapters ago, God called Samuel to anoint Saul. And it says of Saul that Saul stood head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. Saul's defining feature was his height, right? And his height is what God told Samuel to look for and anoint. So yesterday's standard... Saul comes to the new, 
He looks at Jesse's sons. He sees a tall son. What does he think? Bingo. That's my guy. (laughs) And God says, no, that was yesterday's standard. Today, I have a new standard. So often we miss what God is doing in our life because we look through the lens of yesterday. We've got to have fresh eyes in worship where we see what God is doing now. You know, there's an incredible story in the Bible, the day of Pentecost. One of the most important events that brought in the new that we are living in now, the Holy Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit fell upon 120 people in a room and they broke out in singing, in songs. They were speaking in tongues, which we know now is a gift of the Spirit. It sounded like other languages. They were falling over. They were going crazy. People looked in on what they were doing and what did they say? They're drunk. They've had too much wine. They were judging the new by what? They didn't even have a standard to judge it by. That's the beauty about the new. When God brings something new, and here's, here's what, the picture I want to paint for you. He changes the playing field. When God brings a new, he's going to change the playing field. Um, how, how, I'm just thinking how I can say this so I can get it into you guys. Is this, is this making sense? Yeah. yeah? Okay. God is on the day of Pentecost. They did it. Oh, yeah, here's a great feature. A great feature. A great story. I, um, yesterday, I hoovered the carpets. (laughs) And Anna, Anna said, praise God, my husband's moving into the new. (laughs) But as I was hoovering the carpets, I did the stairs. Yeah, men. Anyone can hoover carpets, right? It takes a real man to hoover the stairs, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm doing the stairs. And I'm thinking, Lord, I, it's the day of Pentecost is a great example of people not receiving the new because of how it's packaged. They're judging it by yesterday's standards. Before, if someone acted like this, they were drunk. But now, if someone acts like that, guys, it could be because the power of God, they've just plugged into it, you know? There's a new standard. And my Hoover is a Dyson. And I thought, you know what? I've heard a story about Dyson. This guy was unhappy with his Hoover. Was a little, think of like a Henry. We guys, we love Henry, don't we? Little Henry the Hoover. Henry's done this whole building like so many times in his life. Anyway. And he was unhappy with the suction. And he... He had an idea and he made, I think it was 5,198 prototypes. This guy, James Dyson, was dedicated, right? And eventually he cracked it, this technology that was bagless. He had something new. The new was better than the old. What did he do? He took it to Hoover. What did Hoover say? Hoover, the big company, Hoover, that make Hoovers. (laughs) Hoover were like, sorry, mate, it's not going to work. They looked at the new, they judged it by the old standards, they were like, well, where's the bag? Where does the bag go? The other thing they didn't like about it was the fact that it had a clear dust collection system, so that you could see when it was full, and they're like, nah, mate, you know, housewives aren't going to like that, it just looks dirty. True story. So they said, no, I'm not going to license your product. Dyson managed to get a license, he built it up, and now, oh, well, not now, 2015 is the last little bits. I did my, my research, okay? I didn't just hoover the stairs. In 2015, Dyson's turnover was 1.78 billion. He, 
<laughs> yeah, guys, keep, keep buying the hoovers. He um, sells in over 70 countries. He has over 7,000 staff. Just incredible. And I wonder what Hoover are thinking about him right now, right? Don't miss out on the new because of how it's packaged. You can't judge it. You can't judge it by today's standards. You have to have eyes to see. And that's why worship is so important as well, because worship connects us with the prophetic. Samuel almost got it wrong three times, didn't he? But he stayed connected to God. He stayed connected to the daily, ever-changing, life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, I am... I have many words about music and about songwriting, and I'm still holding them before the Lord, saying, God, would you fulfill it? God, would you fulfill it? And I'll tell you what I'm realizing now, talking about the prophetic. It's not going to look any different. I'm going to still be writing songs, but what I've realized is I cannot do it alone. In this new season, I cannot do it alone. Before, God said, and he said it many times, you know, you're going to record CDs. And so I've done it, and, and who's on the cover? Me. My CD. Who writes the songs? Me. Only me, because I'm going to do it. But I'm realizing, actually, with the new season, God wants me to do it in collaboration. God needs me to put people around my life. You can clap to that. Go on. Yeah. And even in our worship teams, we're every once a month now, we're having writing, and I've told the guys, I just feel like I cannot finish a new song until I've brought that song to a place of accountability with the worship team. It's like I just can't do it. That's the new. And here's the thing. Am I still writing songs? Yes. Am I still leading worship? Yes. So what does the new look like? Well, it doesn't look like anything different. I'm doing exactly the same thing I've always been doing. But what's changed? The playing field has changed. Okay, let's look at King David. King David is called by God to be the king of a nation. What was he doing before that? He was the king of sheep. He was a shepherd, right? Was he doing anything different? No. What changed? His influence. David was already killing bears, killing lions. God called him to come and kill giants. Was he doing anything different? No, he was doing exactly the same thing. What changed? His promotion. Do you see what I'm getting at? We miss the new because you think God's going to give me something new, which means I'm going to change my job, I'm going to change my hairstyle, I'm going to move to Bolivia. No. What you're doing right now, unless you're called to Bolivia, go by all means, what you're doing right now is what you're going to be doing in your new. And that's why we miss it. Because we think, ah, something new. I can't be doing that anymore. What am I going to do? I've got to change my job. I've got to change my friends. No, it's the same. What God does is he changes your playing field. That's why we miss the new. David was faithful with the sheep and all of a sudden God makes him faithful with the nation. That's his new. And that's why the enemy misses the new as well. You know, the most important reason why God gives us the new is because it gives us power to sneak up to the enemy and to win our victory. It's great, isn't it? So we need to, we need to move on. We need to train our eyes to see the new through worship and through staying connected to the prophetic. You know, even now, I want you to think about the prophetic words that you have. Go back to them. Revisit them and say, Lord, give me new eyes on this word. There's things I'm doing now because I, I, I've, I've set myself up in alignment with that word. But maybe, maybe it's not a big change I need to make. Maybe it's just a little change that's going to bring in the new. Do you remember the start of uh, September? We did a, a prayer week. As a church, we gathered and we prayed just to see what God wanted to say for this new year ahead. And Julie, I'm going to pick on you. Julie had an amazing picture from God. 
of a torch. I think you've just been camping, haven't you? Of a torch. And we all know torches, guys. You have to put batteries in to make them work, don't we? But batteries have two sides. One says plus and the other one says minus. And if you put a battery in the wrong way, the torch doesn't work, does it? And she saw this picture and she said, the Lord is saying there's going to be small little changes like putting a battery in the right way. And once you make that change, the light's going to come on. It's the same battery. It's the same torch. It's the same bulb. It's the same lens. What's different? It's little bits of alignment. And all of a sudden, what was dark is now light. That's what I want you to look at in your life when you go to these prophetic words. The Lord's not asking you to change massive things. And that's why we get so afraid of the new, because we think it's going to be super uncomfortable. No, it's little things that are going to change, and it's going to be such a blessing to you. It's going to be as if you were walking around in darkness, but now the light's been turned on, because we're living in the new season. So what does the new look like? It's the same, it's just a different arena. As soon as, I'm not going to read this, guys, so you you can be happy about that, but as soon as David was anointed, what happened? Well, nothing. He went back to his sheep. You know, you think the new is like, okay, great. Tomorrow morning, God, bam, I'm in my new. No, it might, takes time sometimes, guys. David was doing the same thing. But what happened after that? Samuel, uh, Saul, the king, was, was um, plagued by an evil spirit and he needed a worshiper. And promotion came to who? The person who was ready to step into the new. They said, oh, there's a young guy called David. Bring him in. The new brought promotion. Before David was singing songs around the campfire, serenading the sheep, And he's doing the same thing now, just in a bigger playing field. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't miss the new because it looks like the same thing. It's just promotion. Uh, Promotion to leading people. Promotion into slaying giants. So I want to tell you, God wants to bring you promotion. And you can get excited, but I'm not just saying it's in your work, okay? He wants to give you promotion in your relationship with him. He wants to take you into a new place of relationship with him. I think I've got time for this little example. Um, this is what it's like, okay? Back in the day, people used to, right here in, in the black country, used to travel by um, barges, and they would pull the barge along with a, a horse, right? So it was transport, and it was people going on a journey, but the method was, was horse and cart and whatever, and they had a certain speed of method. On the water, they measured things by knots, Okay? Then some guy invented the car. It's still transport. It's still people going on a journey. But now they measure speed in miles per hour. Yes, almost in kilometers. Forgive me. Miles per hour. Then some guy invented the plane. Still travel. It's still journey. Still traveling, covering things. And how do they measure this? Like they can measure it in like a whole different me- measurement. Shane's dying to say something. I can see. <laughs> they have this new measurement speed called Mac which is like the speed of sound. Then, you know, there's all this like space measurement. Like forget about he's a thousand miles away. He's a thousand light years away. Like it's another kind of measurement, right? And here's what happens. This is what the news is going to do for you. You have been walking around in your daily life measuring things by knots. God says, come on up here. I want you to start measuring things by Mac. Can you get a hold of that? You're doing the same thing, but God's taking you into a new your identity is going to start to change. You are thinking, man, I'm really struggling here. God, you might not even change the situation, but God gives you a new idea, a new solution. And all of a sudden you become, man, I am thriving here. Do you want that? 
That's the picture of the new for you. That's what God does. He wants to change your playing field. The purpose of the new is to break the structure of slavery from the old season. Are there battles that you have been fighting in your life? You don't have to start telling out. It's not confession time, okay? I've done that already. (laughs) But are there battles that you are fighting in your life? The new is the anointing to bring the breakthrough. The new breaks the structure of the old. That's what God wants for us as a church. That's what God wants to give the new for you. Not just because it's a great feeling. Not just because he's bored of doing things the same way he's always done. And he wants to change it. Because it's going to break the structure of old slavery in your life. That's the power of the new. And here's the thing. The, the reason that the new is so powerful is because old weapons cannot stand against the new. Isn't that exciting? I'm so excited. So here's, here's David. He's been promoted. He's doing the same thing. He's killed his bears. He's killed his sheep. But now God tells him to go and kill the Goliath. Goliath is the standard of weaponry in that time, isn't he? Like he's tall. He's strong. He's got chainmail armor. He's got an armor bearer. He's got a shield. He's got a javelin and a sword. Like, and when all the guys, can you imagine, are looking through the catalogs? Mm, I need to buy some more weapons for my army. The Philistines are thinking, and they see a picture of Goliath. I want that. That's the standard. That's the best weapon we can ever have. And he stands against the nation of Israel, and he shouts abuse at them. And they look at the size of their spear. They look at the weapons they have, and they look at Goliath, and they think, man, we're never going to win. They're looking at the wrong weapons. And so what does God do? He sends David along. What weapon does David have? He's got a stone and a piece of leather. (laughs) I love God, don't you? This is incredible. And the enemy doesn't perceive the new, thank goodness. Because the Goliath stands there and looks at David and thinks, Ha, am I a dog that you come at me with a stone and a sling? And David says, No, you're just an idiot because you don't see the new. Not really. He said, so he said a whole lot worse though. I mean, he said, I'm going to cut your head off and feed your body to the beasts of the air. Today I'm going to overtake you, destroy your army. Today I'm going to be victorious over you. Goliath couldn't see it. No one could see it. You can imagine the entire Philistine army standing and watching and thinking, ha, what's going to happen now? This is crazy. No one knew what was coming. And here's this word. I really want you to look out for it this week, this, this year. I didn't see that coming. I believe the Lord is going to do. I didn't see that coming for you. I believe that's the power of the new. David gets down. He picks up his sling. Starts swinging his stone. Throws his stone. The new weapon. No matter how small. No matter how insignificant it is. Because it's the new. It always trumps the old. Goliath didn't see that coming. He falls down. The Philistines look at each other. What can they do? They run away. Victory happens. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bring us into victory. While I'm talking about this, there's another story that I love. And that's the story of Jesus Christ. Here is God himself walking among the earth, healing the sick, preaching the kingdom. The enemy knows that there's something happening on earth. The enemy knows this is God himself. And he thinks, I'm going to have to do something about this. I'm going to get rid of this Jesus. And he thinks, I'm going to turn one of his disciples. He turns Judas. He thinks, yes, I've got my chance. I'm going to destroy God's son. I'm going to win. My weapons are the best. I'm going to do it. The enemy doesn't know that Jesus is the personification of the new. Jesus is the new walking among the earth. And the new 
always destroys the old weapons. So Jesus is put on a cross and he's crucified and he dies. And the enemy thinks, we've won. What they don't realize is they've just let the new right into hell. They've just let the new right into their very stronghold. And what does the new do? It totally takes the keys away from him. It destroys hell. It overcomes it. The new is victory. The new is small. The new might not even look different. But the new is going to bring about victory in your life. Do you want that? Yes, Lord. Why don't we, why don't we stand up? You know, I've done my best to paint a picture of the new because I want you to get excited about it. But I can't tell every single one of you what it looks like. That's not my job. My job is to inspire you to connect with God, to go in worship, to go in relationship and say to Jesus, What does the new look like for me? Lord, take these lenses of my eyes. I want to be able to see the new. I want to be a person who lives in victory in my life. And that's that's what today's about. So why don't we just let's just pray. I want to release this upon you. Bow your heads, you know, put your hands out to receive it. I just want to bless you with this new. Lord, I thank you for the story of Samuel in the Bible. I thank you for the power, Lord, and we know that what you've done in the past. You can do today because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and right now, Lord, the first thing I just ask that you would come. And upon your people, if there's any structure of, of shame, any structure of disappointment because of mistakes, or even any failure, right now, Lord, let your mercy wash upon us. Lord, let your mercy set us free, God. And give us eyes to see. Why don't you just put your hands on your eyes or on your mind even on your heart Lord I pray that we'd be a people who walks open eyed able to see able to perceive the new that you're doing Lord and I release as well right now that victory Lord that new would be a sound of victory let a sound of victory rise up from your church Lord that old structures whether it's um, it's finance, whether it's poverty, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in business, whether it's in opportunities, Lord, we just say, come and change the playing field right now. We invite you, Lord, to come and bring us into a new season, a new season of victory, a new season of living with you, Lord, because the new is what you have planned for us, God. So everyone say, Amen. 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 Why don't you give the Lord a hand this morning? Why don't you do that, God?